As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. After sacking Thomas Tuchel yesterday, Chelsea looked poised to appoint Graham Potter as manager. It's been another incredible 24 hours in southwest London, but in many ways fairly typical of the last 20 years at Stamford Bridge. And we've got all you need to know about why and when the club's new American owners decided that Tuchel was not their man and what lies in store for Potter. I'm Adam Leventhal. This is The Athletic Football Podcast. Thomas Tuchel carried the weight of Chelsea on his shoulders through that takeover process. When the the ownership were talking about Cucurella, that they were very much knew everything about Graham Potter, the way he liked to play football, his coaching methods, etc., etc., which I think is is very significant. That, that that he was already on their radar. The bottom line in all of this is that Thomas Tuchel was just not the man for these guys, and they learned it over the course of their ownership, however short that spell has been so far. History shows at Chelsea that when they make a change, the players always seem to suddenly find their form again. I'm joined on this episode from The Athletic by our football correspondent David Ornstein and our Chelsea writer Simon Johnson. It has been a hectic few hours, Simon, has it not? Yes, and that's just me getting back from Zagreb. But yeah, it's another chapter in this extraordinary history of this football club. Um, We all thought that the hiring, firing, ruthlessness of the Abramovich era was going to be in the past, but um, the new owners have done something that, that Roman never did and given the manager just seven games. And what a talking point that is. Now, we've got a new in-depth article for you on The Athletic, which you have contributed to, and it has stolen some sleeping hours from you, I can tell from from seeing you. Um, and that takes you through all the, the main elements of the story, Tuchel leaving, Potter on his way to joining, and the key background detail of, of you know how we've reached this point. And we'll pull out some of the nuggets from the piece along the way today. Um, I wanted to start by the, the picture that is painted in the piece like you travelling back from Zagreb, on the plane, on the coach, the front rows of seats containing the head coach, Thomas Tuchel, his staff, the co-owners there as well, and the players filing 
awkwardly past and knowing that the atmosphere you could cut with a knife. I think one source in the piece said it was it was so silent up there. The writing was obviously on the wall after the defeat against Zagreb, but this has been coming for, for quite some time, hasn't it, Simon? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the only hesitation in the back of your mind, you've been hearing rumblings for, for quite a while, and we actually wrote as part of Tuchel's anniversary read all the way back in January that essentially there were a lot of attacking players that weren't happy and were looking to leave. That's clearly not a good sign and things haven't improved since then. Of course, a couple of those attacking players have left in Lukaku and Werner. But getting back to uh, the events of Tuesday night, I was opposite the dressing room door. It's always a a mix zone sometimes. You sort of think, what's the point in going there? On a night like that, that's even if you know no one's going to stop in, in the back you, you just know there's no point going there because no one's going to talk to you but it, it's what you see that can sometimes paint the story better than words can and the the way that the players sort of drifted out one by one ashen faced look you don't expect them to be singing and dancing after a defeat like that and the, the coaching staff and then Tuchel comes out I, I sat in on his press conference where he, again, was struggling to come up with answers of, of how to fix these problems. He just looked a very isolated man. He wasn't with his coaching staff. He wasn't with his closest confidence in that camp. And whilst I'm not going to pretend I didn't sort of see the announcement coming because I thought he's done enough to earn a bit more time, it didn't shock me that it had come to pass this soon. David, from your point of view, you've obviously been following the story all the way you know we were last speaking to each other on deadline day new signings had come in one in particular in Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang very much someone who was connected with Thomas Tuchel in the past at uh, Borussia Dortmund from the outside looking in for people that you know aren't inside that that Chelsea bubble it might look ruthless it might look knee-jerk but this politically the struggle between Tuchel and Bolly and other members of the of the hierarchy at Chelsea, which has seen so much change, has been strained for, for quite some time, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. And I don't think we should be too kind of sensationalist about this. It was never going to be an easy relationship. Thomas Tuchel carried the weight of Chelsea on his shoulders through that takeover process. Of course, Chelsea were operating under sanctions um, and he was the kind of man holding it all together um, from a public perspective, but also internally with players and staff trying to win matches, qualify for this season's Champions League. And then they go into the changeover from Abramovich to Boley Clear Lake. Then comes a transfer window with an ownership who, let's face it, have not got any experience prior of football, soccer, English football, Premier League. And so they were kind of learning on the job. And the most experienced person in all of that operation was Thomas Tuchel. And so it's understandable that he would want to target certain players, work in certain ways, take this club forward in his vision. Um, But equally, when you've committed £4.25 billion to a club and a project and you have a vision and you're overhauling a number of areas and you're moving on people from the previous regime, you're also going to want to implement your plans and you're going to want things to follow your, your outlook. And 
that was always going to give rise to possible friction and tensions. Um, it's not, when you look at it like that, a huge shock that um, the relationships have fractured somewhat. There have been differences of opinions on transfers, targets, processes, styles. It's been a difficult time for Thomas Tuchel on and off the pitch. Um, and I think we've seen a bit of that outwardly. Um, and I've got a lot of sympathy for the way that he has tried to conduct himself through all of this. And I think the ownership do as well. However, they have to look at what they want for this club going forward. Um, and we were told yesterday that they have a sort of five, 10 year vision. And they had to ask themselves, is Thomas Tuchel the man that we've worked with for 100 days uh, when he was sacked? Um, the man that we wish to go forward with? Uh, are we seeing the qualities and attributes that we want to see from our head coach for the short, medium and long term future? And ultimately, they concluded no. When you read the big piece that's gone up on The Athletic today, there is a lot more detail and minutiae and nuance around things that have happened behind the scenes, things that have happened in the squad, in conversations, in all manner of areas. But the bottom line in all of this, as you asked me from an outsider's perspective, is that Thomas Tuchel was just not the man for these guys and they learned it over the course of their ownership however short that spell has been so far, they did back him and the club in the transfer market. It's not like they're just buying for him. They did want to deliver a striker and there was great support as well as some reservation around Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, but there weren't many options and they were trying to work together. But ultimately, I guess, although the decision was already taken before the Dinamo Zagreb Champions League defeat, um, it was probably confirmation on the reservations that they had. And that's why the flight home was so quiet. They knew what they were going to have to deliver on Wednesday morning. Um, it was, from what we hear, short and sharp, unexpected to Thomas Tuchel. And already uh, they are uh, getting on with the appointment of their uh, new head coach. Yeah, we'll dig into Graham Potter's as we expect, imminent arrival at Stamford Bridge a little bit later on. But I just wanted to pick up on that point there that David made with, with Simon about it maybe feeling unexpected for, for Thomas Tuchel. He will have known that they will have been reviewing the situation as a whole at the football club. He'd, he'd just reached the milestone of, of 100 games. It was almost, you know, 100 days into, into this new ownership regime. Do you think he would have been within his rights to expect them to continue with him from what he was being told during that period of time? Or would have he seen it coming as well? Because there seemed to be a suggestion that perhaps he was thinking, right, we've got the transfer window out of the way. Now we can really sit down and talk about more of a vision. And maybe I am the guy that you can stick with. Is that is that fair? Or do you think that it was just a complete mismatch all the way along? I think for starters... Thomas Tuchel was delighted when the transfer window shut. And I think he was thinking, great, I can now go back to my day job because he's been... As he, as he, I, I was on pre-season tour out in America 
and did the sit um, part of a sit down interview with a group of journalists where he came out and spoke about suddenly being asked to do this other job, which a lot of managers, I have to say, would love, you know, oh, do you want to sign this guy? Do you want to sign it? Especially, I bet there's a lot of ex-Chelsea managers, not saying that they were never consulted, but he he was he was in a position where, where perhaps other Chelsea managers haven't been, that he could actually really have a strong, a really, really strong say on recruitment. But he didn't enjoy it. He didn't like the distraction that this provided for him, that he he wanted to be the coach on, on the training pitch and, and trying to fix his problem. So when the transfer window shut, I think he was thinking, right, I can now, now that now that I've got my squad, I can actually sit there and mould it. But I, I, I do find it hard to believe that he didn't see it coming completely, that that he wasn't blind, that, that he was blind to the fact there was an issue between him and... The board. I mean, some of the things I'm told, he, he wasn't happy either. Let, let, let's get this right. It's not like, oh, the owners have decided Thomas Tuchel. I don't think Thomas Tuchel was particularly enamoured about some of the things that were going on either. I, I just find it all, all very sad because Thomas Tuchel was a successful manager for Chelsea. His style of play wasn't perhaps the most pleasing on the eye, and, and particularly since... You could sort of almost date it back to the moment Ben Chilwell got injured last November. That Chelsea haven't played an ex- a consistent, exciting brand of football since then. And, and whilst there were mitigating circumstances in that, the results and performances have been particularly disappointing since April. It's not like Chelsea have started the season all oh, they're playing badly. Uh, where's this come from? They actually ended last season badly. So again if you're the new owners and, and touching on, on David's point about examining the first hundred days, I think they have actually also examined going back to the whole calendar year and are seeing a, a, a downward trend in performances and results and thinking, well, as, as good a manager as he's been. And I think there's a genuine desire when they arrived and took over the club to make Thomas Tuchel the long-term guy. But as Time develop, and that's why 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 you heard stuff about contracts and so on. That was quite a, quite a while ago. The talk about extension talks, etc. That that went that went very cold, and that gave an indication of of suddenly that the new owners actually thought, as David intimated, is he the right guy for the long term? They want a guy a bit like how they have in situ at the LA Dodgers that's going to be there for several years, bringing these players through, including the young players. And I think that's a really key point. I don't think that they saw a guy in Thomas Tuchel that was prepared to play young players, that he didn't trust them enough and that he was always going to go for the experience. Yeah, I think sad is the word that I pick out from Simon's analysis there and concur with because of all the changes that the new regime have made, Bruce Buck, Marina Granovskaya, Guy Lawrence, Petr Cech, Scott McLaughlin, he kind of went of his own accord. Um, I think Thomas Tuchel would have been the one at the outset that they would have been relying on, banking on, hoping to lead them forward into the future. Let's not forget the joy he's brought to so many Chelsea fans by winning the Champions League. And a number that I've seen on social media and listened to on television and radio say he's their favourite Chelsea manager. They loved the majority of the time that he, he was at the club. But I was getting soundings, and I don't mean to sound wise after the event journalist here, that the international break 
could be a time for change at Chelsea. And if not, then like with some other clubs, maybe the World Cup will be an opportunity for change and reset January transfer window and we go again into the future. And so this decision is not a shock, but the timing did take me by surprise. I didn't expect to receive the call um, on the morning after uh, a bruising defeat, but also one that you tend to see clubs take stock from especially when you've got a Champions League winning coach in your grasp, when you are so wet behind the ears when it comes to ownership of a Premier League football club. And I don't think they would have wanted to make a change now. They've had so much upheaval in so many areas of that club and they're trying to keep touch with the top teams in this league. They're trying to qualify from the, the Champions League group stage. Before we know it, we're going to have World Cup and domestic cup competitions, games left, right and centre. This is no time for a coach to be coaching. It's recovery sessions. It's trying to get three points on the board. Graham Potter, who we'll come on to speak about, is renowned for his coaching. So this wasn't some great master plan. But I do think that it's very decisive. As Simon says there, if they were envisaging somebody to take them forward into the future and they decided that that is not Thomas Tuchel allied to all of the issues and tensions on both sides of this conversation because it we need to add some balance here in that Thomas Tuchel is um, a top level um, coach in world football and um, he can't have all of the blame thrown at him in this relationship. There have been mistakes made by this new ownership at Chelsea and there will be mistakes continued to be made. We don't know if this is the right decision but if he was not the man for them as we're saying here then they had to make a change and it was probably better to do it sooner rather than later. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Well, let's talk about the man who is set to come in, and that is Graham Potter. Simon, from your point of view and the information that you have at this very point as we record on, on Thursday morning, and it is a developing situation, where are we at with this? How close is it and, and what has happened since that flight home from, from Zagreb and that meeting with Tuchel on, on Wednesday? Because it's gathered pace very quickly, hasn't it? Yeah, and, and you know, David's on top of the story, of course, as always, um, on, on, on Tuesday too, uh, Wednesday rather. I don't know what day it is, Adam. Uh, <laughs> they all blend into one. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, so so they they clearly, Graham Potter, they're, they're big admirers of b before they made the decision. You're not going to make a seismic decision like this without having sort of targets in mind. Um, and that's why it emerged very quickly uh, on Wednesday. 
say that Graham Potter was first choice, Richard Pochettino was number two, and I heard there were two other names. One of the other names I heard was Julian Nagelsmann, quite interesting enough. But a meeting was was quickly, it was very clear quite early on that Brighton, I think that was key, Brighton was sort of gave permission for Chelsea to speak to Graham Potter. That's a sign that, that there's a great relationship between the two clubs. And in the read, actually, we, we talk about how when the, the ownership were talking about Cucurella, that they were very much knew everything about Graham Potter, the way he likes to play football, um, his coaching methods, et cetera, et cetera, which I think is is very significant, that, that that he was already on their radar as someone that they they clearly appreciated. Um, there were talks, uh, very positive talks, so I was told um, on Wednesday, but there were still a few things to iron out, and that's why more talks are taking place today. But compensation isn't a problem. That was clear with Brighton, so I'm led to believe from even before they met. So... I'll be quite surprised. It's Graham Potter's decision to make, essentially, it sounds to me. Um, I don't know whether David can can uh, concur, but it sounds to me that it's it's his job to take or, or say no to. Yeah, well, yesterday, um, we didn't have names at the moment the news of Thomas Tuchel's departure broke, but it was pretty obvious uh, fairly quickly that the likes of Graham Potter, Maurizio Pochettino, uh, I think some were suggesting Zinedine Zidane, were all in the mix. And then when you make your calls and cross-reference them, um, it emerges that really it was Potter and Pochettino at the front of that queue. Um, And then even as the day progressed and we learned that approaches had already been made to speak to Potter, Permission requested to Brighton and Hove Albion to hold official talks. Um, Contact with Pochettino, who is available. He's not in work at the moment, so you don't have to request permission. You just have to get in touch. Those were the two they were going to be focusing on. And drilling further into that, Graham Potter was extremely well liked by the Chelsea hierarchy. That was coming through in so many conversations. And that although Pochettino uh, was more readily, is more readily available to this very moment we record, um, and is said to be open to discussing the possibility of taking over at Chelsea, that Potter really was the apple of their eye. And despite um, some quite substantial compensation that would be owed to uh, Brighton in the form of a release clause in his contract, Um, Chelsea indicated they would be prepared to pay that if they can agree a deal with him and if he shows them that he wants to join them and therefore an offer would come, etc. On that basis, you know, Potter indicated his willingness to hold talks with Chelsea. He, I think, had spoken to Tottenham a year previously, but I don't think Brighton had ever granted sort of formal permission for that to be taken forward. And therefore, Tottenham didn't make advances towards paying that release clause. So that was almost like the prelude that didn't go further. This has gone further. Um, Potter travelled to London to to speak with the Chelsea hierarchy, Todd Bowley as co-owner, chairman, acting sporting director. And the suggestions are that those talks went positively. He's back at Brighton um, and their training ground as we record this. Uh, He won't be holding his uh, scheduled news conference, which I think everybody can understand. Um, There are names breaking as 
potential candidates as we record this. Um, I'm just looking down at my phone. Ruben Amorim, the sporting Lisbon coach, is said to be under consideration if the situation does not progress towards the conclusion that Chelsea seem to want on Graham Potter. Of course, he has a big decision to make here. Um, he's had opportunities to move elsewhere in the past. We've mentioned Tottenham there. He decided to stay at Brighton last summer. He's got an amazing setup in terms of um, on-field, off-field, um, players, staff, executives, recruitment, processes, everything that I think Chelsea want to be on an admittedly and with no disrespect, grander level than Brighton and Hove Albion. Brighton already have training grounds, stadium, finances in decent shape. He has the power and authority. Um, they've weathered storms. You know, it wasn't going so well last season. The fans were um, getting a bit angsty and um, um, Potter actually confronted them, didn't he? You'll remember those comments. Yet still he had the unequivocal backing of his superiors and everybody around him at the club. And he knows he'll be coming into a far more hostile environment if he joins Chelsea. Just look at the record of hiring and firing managers and coaches. Um, but he may on this occasion see it as the right opportunity. Geographically, I think it would work. Gives him a chance to work with some fantastic young players out of Chelsea's academy, but also uh, senior players who... We were being led to believe the ownership at Chelsea do not feel were being developed and um, worked with and communicated with in the way that they would have liked. And that's another thing that Potter is said to be very strong at and which appeals to, to the Chelsea hierarchy. Um, so there's one other factor as well. How long do you wait for an opportunity like this if you're Graham Potter? How many times do you turn it down um, and stick where you are? Will it come up again in the future? I would suggest, yes, it will with somebody like Graham Potter, whose trajectory uh, and reputation and the regard with which he's held across the industry speaks for itself. And I do think some of the biggest club or international opportunities will come his way if he doesn't take this. But the way things are looking at the moment, he's close to being appointed as Chelsea's new head coach. Um, and, you know, within hours, this could, of course, move on again and be wrapped up or, or, or not. So it's a fluid situation. But yeah, Chelsea have him as their top target. I think that's pretty clear. Simon, Chelsea don't do, as we've seen at some other bigger clubs, basically, I'm talking about Manchester United, where they almost think, right, we're going to have a fallow year this year. You know, we've we've cut our losses midway through the season, or or we're actually we're planning for the future, as we saw with Eric Ten Hag in the you know the tail end of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer being in charge. Chelsea will want Graham Potter to hit the ground running, and then what will they want him to deliver? How ruthless do you think they will be if he doesn't hit his targets, even though he is the guy that they want maybe for the longer term? Well, we, we've we've just been given the the first indication of how ruthless they can be when they see something that isn't right. But all the noises were, and all the impressions you were getting uh, when they when they first rocked up in the summer um, was that they're realistic. They're not they're not thinking Premier League title this season. Obviously, they wouldn't say no, but but they're they're realistic. And I think they, they they want to give clearly. If you make a call this bold, you, you've got to back yourself, especially when you're, you're going to be paying a vast sum in compensation. Top four is the minimum, though. I, I would say that is the the target they've set from day one. 
because they know the importance of Champions League football, the financial implications of being out of the Champions League. It's very much like the, the sort of minimum target that Abramovich would, would set, actually. And it, and, it, and it, of course, for a club of Chelsea's prestige, if you want to market Chelsea, and, and again, the, these guys feel like Abramovich never really got the best out of Chelsea in terms of their marketing potential. So they need to be playing on the biggest stage. So that that is something that, that Graham Potter will be, I'm, I'm sure, sort of told that, you know, we, we want you to be in the top four. But it, it's more than that. It, it's more than just, I get the impression they want the, almost like what Abramovich always wanted, winning, but winning with style. Um, Tuchel won, but did he win with style? I, I, I think there's a big question mark over... He was a very defensive-minded coach. Um, it was very successful when it was going well. But the football has been pretty hard to watch for, for quite a while now. So, yeah, Graham, the, the, the difficulty is, I think it's a, it's a, what whilst not championing for Tuchel to go, um, I think Graham Potter is is clearly the kind of manager that, that, that has the potential to bring entertaining football to Chelsea. My biggest concern is is the timing. This guy, is, as David has, has already said, is coming in at a time where to try and suddenly turn Chelsea from a defensive-minded team into an attacking, entertaining team to watch when you've got no days on the training ground to what to, to work with the players effectively. They're going to be playing midweek, weekend, midweek, weekend, pretty much now for the rest of the season, um, as long as they stay in the competition. It, it's a going to be a difficult job, but at the same time, you hear that Tuchel wasn't, the players had noticed a change in him. He wasn't as communicative as he, as he used to be. The man management side, the the, the sort of, the, the thing that made him so special, that, that made the difference after succeeding Frank Lampard um, over the last few months had, 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 had gone. And, and so a new manager, whoever it may be, is always going to, should uh, lead to an upturn. In performances and results, because that's that's the way history shows at Chelsea that when they make a change, the players always seem to suddenly find their form again. As we're recording this, there are reports. Um, um, as we're recording this, there are multiple reports emerging that Chelsea have reached a verbal agreement with Graham Potter now to take over as head coach, and that would fit the timeline um, that we reported immediately after Chelsea released their official statement yesterday, in that they hoped to get their new head coach in by the weekend's match against Fulham in the early kickoff, so they weren't hanging about. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I have one more question for you, David, uh, before we finish, but it would be remiss of us because we cover um, the Premier League in depth and beyond that we focused entirely on on Chelsea. But I wanted to just 
you know, give you a, an update on the situation with Brighton because I caught up with Andy Naylor, our Brighton reporter, before we recorded this. And he basically said that they'd been expecting and they'd been planning for this possibility for quite some time. You mentioned the link with, with Tottenham before, David. They weren't sure which club it was going to be, but they knew that it was going to come at some point. And they themselves have a short list of names in the UK and abroad. We know that they're meticulous in their succession planning with, with both players. We saw Cucurella leave and then Pervis Estupinian arrive and it was all very seamless. They do it with managers as well. And it's funny, you know, Chelsea going into such a hectic period, Brighton... And maybe they've made their own luck in this. They're almost going to be helped rather than hindered by the, the rail strikes because they've got a game this weekend against Bournemouth, but then that's it until October the 1st because their game against Crystal Palace is, is being postponed. So they have a really nice extra long international break to bed in their new head coach and his staff as well because Graham Potter is due to take his assistant, Billy Reid, uh, Bjorn Hamburg, his coach and recruitment analyst and recruitment analyst Kyle McCauley as well. So Brighton, you would have thought in the same way as Chelsea um, will have their, their ducks in a row and they will know what they're doing too. Uh, but just a final word because we talked about him right at the beginning and we will finish with him. David, what next for Thomas Tuchel? Because, you know, he is a hugely successful coach. Loads of clubs would want him. Many obviously have head coaches in place now, but he will probably have a nice little breather and then be refreshed and ready to get a big job in the near future. Yeah, that's a really interesting question because he's marked himself out as one of the elite coaches in world football. Um, and he's not to everybody's liking um, in terms of, I don't know, his style of play, his handling of players. There was some criticism towards the end of his time at Borussia Dortmund. Um, but everything I've seen of him um, from a sort of person, character and professional, I've been pretty impressed by. Um, I remember when he was out of work after leaving Borussia Dortmund, he was really keen to uh, take on a project. He loved the idea of, of working in the Premier League. He had come over um, to Manchester a few times to watch Man City games. A couple of them he was actually pictured at because he's got a close relationship with Pep Guardiola. Um, and he wanted to get his teeth stuck into somewhere like Arsenal, I think would have been ideal at the time because they were one of the few Premier League clubs who were becoming available because there was uncertainty around Arsene Wenger's future um, spring 2018. And they also tend to allow their managers time and authority and the ability to work with young players and older players and blend it all together and not quite the pressure that you see at uh, Stamford Bridge, the hiring and firing culture, let's face it. Um, and so that would have been something that I think would have really appealed to him. I think Chelsea was one that he would have loved to have done at that point in time. But um, there was that sort of track record of managers coming and going that probably provided a bit of reticence because he really does love to take time to to build and develop. Um, and Arsenal missed the boat on that occasion because he agreed to join PSG and then they... Uh, announced the departure of Arsene Wenger. Um, at the time, they were telling everybody who was getting in touch with them about potential managerial opportunities that we have a manager in place, it's Arsene Wenger, and if things change, we'll let you know. Well, by the time it changed, Thomas Tuchel had committed to PSG and they went for Unai Emery. So Thomas Tuchel went to PSG. 
he dealt with the politics and the egos and the ups and downs. And, you know, he did pretty well, I think, in the circumstances. And that understandably earned him the move to Chelsea. Um, and it seemed that he might get a bit longer than others and, and a bit more experience time to sort of um, nurture one because uh, he did well winning the Champions League but two because this change of ownership gave rise to the possibility that uh, the new guys in charge might be a bit more long term in their strategy than um, than the previous regime uh, but it hasn't happened and, and now you look at where he might be able to go in the future and like who knows there will be vacancies that become available at some point in time at the English clubs Pep Guardiola still hasn't signed his new contract at Manchester City which is something they would love him to do um, but you know, despite reports that he had reached an agreement in principle, well, he hasn't signed it and some months have passed. So we'll have to see what happens on that one. You would imagine that Manchester United is boxed off for a while. Arsenal too. Um, Tottenham Hotspur, if Antonio Conte continues uh, doing as he's done so far, then you would suspect he's staying there. However, he doesn't have a long contract. I think that expires in the summer of 2023. So he'll have to see how that season goes. Um, Liverpool, well, you, you suspect that Jurgen Klopp will continue for a while longer. He's only just signed a new contract there, but uh, it's obviously a bit of a difficult period at the moment. I don't expect him to follow the same path as Thomas Tuchel has just experienced. And then you go elsewhere on the continent. France, he, he's done. There's only one club there you would imagine he would manage. In Italy, obviously, you've got the rise of AC Milan or rebirth um, into Milan, um, but both have coaches and, and seem to be doing pretty well. The same with Juventus, with Allegri back there. And then you maybe look towards Germany. I mean, Simon mentioned Nagelsmann at the top. Um, if something was to change in Bayern Munich, could that be a possibility at some point? Because there are so many admirers for Nagelsmann. But if he stays there long term, then that's also closed off. So I would imagine that England, after a break, presents a, a potential opportunity. Um, and he's clearly enjoyed his time here. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see. I, I don't think he'll be out of work long term, given what he's shown he can achieve with the biggest clubs. And I, I, I just want to pipe up, Adam, just to, to wrap things up in that I just want to say one of the one of the challenges that Graham Potter, uh, it looks, looks very much like this can happen, does face is succeeding Thomas Tuchel. Uh, let, let, let's not forget that he is an incredibly popular manager with Chelsea fans. Um, yes, they may have moaned and groaned about the style of play and results in the last few weeks, but he won them the Champions League. And that's a very tough act to follow. So good luck, Graham Potter. Um, and good luck, Thomas Tuchel, because uh, I just want to sort of say he he was a delight to deal with him. Press conference. Even, even on the Tuesday night, um, when he sort of made a quip about um, it, this, this is not the right movie, um, or words to that effect. But um, yeah, good luck to him in, in, in the future. It won't be long before he gets another job, let's be honest. He's, his CV um, is, 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 uh certainly been boosted by his time at Chelsea. Absolutely. Simon, thank you very much. David, thank you to you as well. Uh, you can read plenty more on this developing story every step of the way on The Athletic. Uh, you can subscribe now, pay just £1 a month for the first six months by heading to theathletic.com forward slash football pod. 
And if you are a Chelsea fan, there's plenty more on our dedicated Chelsea podcast straight out of Cobham. And you can listen for free right now wherever you get your podcasts. And Simon is off there literally as we speak to go and record that. So no rest for the wicked, for the busy, for the tired journalists <laughs> here say, the, tired. the Athletic. <laughs> <laughs> it keeps on coming. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you soon. The Athletic.